0: Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc.
1: see everybody today. How many feel good in your soul? Amen. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Don't nobody leave right after service when we get done with the ministry of the word this morning. We're going to do a baptism, and um, glad we got four people excited about that, but. We're going to baptize Kaylee. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. She comes to us and said that she wanted to be baptized. Her birthday. Her birthday was when? Huh? Today is her birthday. Happy birthday. We're baptizing her today on her birthday. Amen. So we're excited about that. So we want to celebrate that with her in uh, just a few moments. I want us to go to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I want to teach out of this this morning. There's so much where I'm tempted to go, but um, I'm greatly (laughs) excited about if, if let me just say this, and I don't do this. To, I'm just telling you, just bear with me. If all I saw was an expression of what I see in Sparks, Georgia, I would have gave up a long time ago. If all I saw was the expression of what I see going on in the state of Georgia, I would have gave up a long time ago. But I'm excited to see the move of God that's on the face of the earth. Would you not agree with me? 60, 70,000 gathered yesterday for the sin in Orlando. That there's hungry people that are getting hungry for the more of God. How many believe there's a whole lot more of God? Please say that with me, that you would exact, you would agree with me that there's more than, I mean, Jesus did not die so that you and I could go to church. If, if, you, if you got that, then you're reading a total different Bible than what I read. And we've yet to make it. <laughs> To a, to a Nazareth church. At least in Nazareth, there was a few miracles. Now when the church gets a miracle, somebody gets healed of cancer, we all can't believe it. Come on, somebody. And James writes in his word and said, if there be any sick folk among you, let them call upon the elders of the church. Notice his writing, if there be any sick. It was uncommon for the sick folk to be gathered around the people of God because of the power they manifested. Hello? And so we've got to get a church back. Listen to me. Listen to me at this. Bill Johnson says this, and it's a powerful quote. The Holy Spirit is imprisoned in unbelieving believers. The Holy Spirit is imprisoned in unbelieving believers. So this morning we pray, God, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us. When He said this kind cometh out by nothing but by fasting and prayer, Jesus had neither fasted or prayed when He cast that uh, demon out of that boy. So it's not it's not talking about that particular demon comes out by fasting and praying. What was in that child, the spirit of unbelief, only comes out by fasting and prayer. Oh Lord! All right. Look at your neighbor and say, I pray by the grace of God we get off the bottle. <laughs> Hello. Y'all right? I'm not here to beat the up, I'm trying to grow us up. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting off the bottle. I've been on it long enough. I'm gonna try to eat some meat. What's his meat? Meat ain't preaching just deep things of God. Jesus said in John 4:34, I have meat that you know not of. When he was talking to the lady at the well, you all right? But he said, my meat is to do what? The will of the Father. When we can hear and obey, that's when we own meat. When we hear and clap, we still own milk. But when we hear the word and we receive the word of the kingdom and we obey the word of the kingdom, then we're starting to eat some meat. And we're never going to get any strength, no muscle, until we learn how to eat some meat, some protein. You can't grow muscle off of milk. but you can grow you can grow muscle off of meat. All right, you ready? I might have to quit messing around and get in here. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Lord, I'm tempted to go 36 in 100 fold. I'm just I'm waiting it out. Let me just say this. I listened to a message on Thursday and I was coming into uh I was coming into Fitzgerald right before I got into the city of Fitzgerald. And I called Matt, and I told him this. I said, "I said, son, I love you, and I'll see you on the other side. I'm telling you, I thought I was going to be raptured off the earth. I'm telling you. I thought my spirit man was going to devour my flesh, and I was going to disappear. I'm telling you. I was ready to pull over on the side of the road, burn my truck as an offering unto God. This is how powerful it is. And this message was preached in 1999. And I'd never heard anything. I'm, I'm telling you, I'd never heard anything like it. And I say this is no disrespect, but I'm telling you this just is the powerful that's on this message. I've read everything that Bethel has ever put in print. Every book I have read, some of their books I've read five or six times. You could put everything that's ever been written out of Bethel, and it wouldn't. And all of that revelation was contained in the first five minutes of this message. And this message was preached in 1999. And I thought about it. in 1999, there was just all of these movements was just getting started. Bill had just went to Bethel in 1997, come from Weaverville. Uh, uh, The Ramp was started in 1998, 1999. IHOP, Mike Bickle, 1998, 1999. And I've looked at the progression of the church. Come on, somebody. The call started in 2000, 1999. They launched the first call in the year 2000. And all these different movements that were just starting to get started in 1999, and I'm listening to this message and the message of the kingdom that's on here and and the revelation of the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about church services. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And then I looked at where the church is now, some almost 20 years later from the preaching of this message. I'm telling you, if we grow by the leaps and bounds that we have in the last 20 years, the church is going to do some major progression you got to get your head out of Fox News and CNN. They're going to tell you the earth's getting worse. Come on, somebody. If you believe the earth is getting worse, it is impossible to believe what I preach on Sunday. Let me deal with this right now. You cannot sit in here and believe what I'm preaching if your eschatology tells you that the earth is getting worse. Well, Pastor Hatton, you read the Bible where it says that in the last days that that men will become lovers of themselves and there'll be this great turning away. I want to tell you that's already happened. Come on, somebody. That happened in the dark ages. we got to Study some history, but what is a happening now in your and our day is the church is waking up. This Come on, somebody! Jairus's daughter ain't no twelve-year-old little girl. It's a picture of a church, and the world says she's dead, but Jesus says she's not dead. Jesus never raised that girl from the dead because the Bible says she was not dead, but she was sleeping. This is the bride, the church. We've been asleep, but the Bible says, "Awake out of your sleeping slumber." It's a picture of the church. Come on now. And so we're 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 growing. We're growing. The earth is not getting worse, it's getting better. It's impossible to believe for a mighty move of God when you believe it's all going to hell in a handbasket. Why struggle? Why 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 worry about doing? It? Why 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 plan for vision like this if we just gonna leave the earth? You can get mad with me not, but I'm telling you right now there ain't a person in this room gonna see the rapture. We just lost some people right there. You ain't going to see the rapture. Not in your lifetime, friend. Come on, somebody. How do you know that? Well, the preacher, ain't you seen what's going on in Russia? That never determines the return of the Lord. What determines the return of the Lord is the book of Ephesians. His bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Come on, somebody. Well, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. That's exactly right. We don't know the day nor the hour. But he rebuked the disciples for not knowing the times and the seasons. Look at this. He said, you can look at the sky and know that tomorrow and the fish is going to bite out there see people get mad. Jesus didn't just show up haphazardly. In the fullness of time God sent forth his son to be born of a woman. In the fullness in an exact day. Come on somebody. He dies at Passover. Come on somebody. He's not born December the 25th. He's born during the Feast of Tabernacles. We just celebrated on Christmas Day. And let's give me one more right here to go ahead and make us just plumb mad. There wasn't no three wise men that showed up. A simple sitting down of reading, Luke chapter 1, chapter 2, and 3, will tell you there was not three wise men. They, didn't, they never showed up at the manger. Your church just put them at the manger. Come on, somebody. The Scripture says they showed up at the house when he was a child. He showed up at the house when he was a child. We know he had to at least be two years old because Herod sent out a decree, kill every child two years and younger. And, and, and younger. The fairy tales we make up. The religious stuff we believe. And it's the tradition. It's not demons that is hindering the gospel, church. It's not the warlocks praying against us that's hindering the the gospel. Jesus said the gospel is hindered by the traditions of men. You make the gospel of no effect. Unbelieving church makes the gospel of no effect. The unbelief can shut a corporate anointing down, but it can never shut an individual anointing down. That's why there was a few miracles that happened in Nazareth, because they couldn't stop the anointing that was in him personally. Oh, Lord. All right. If you're visiting here, we welcome you to Cornerstone, of Sparks, Georgia. <laughs> Praise God. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. I'm going to calm down. Oh, we got to grow. We got to grow. Father God, give us grace to grow. Give us grace to grow. You know Jesus didn't die to get you in the church. He died so that he get you in the kingdom. The kingdom's a whole lot bigger than the church. He died to get you in the kingdom, and the kingdom is unshakable. The kingdom's got provision, joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. So God, give us a vision of the kingdom. We were talking about this last night at the men's meeting. We were talking about the progression of, and we were sharing some of the things that was on that message and when I come in, I'd send it to Clay, and then I sent it to Jess, and Clay texted me and said that he had went to, Pens- he went to Pensacola. Went to uh, Anyhow, his story was you went to uh, Panama City, looked at your paperwork, it said go to Pensacola, went to Pensacola, we knew you was, and you was at the right place the whole time, all the time. So he was aggravated. I said, if you can calm down, if you can calm down, I got something. When you get back in the truck, I'm telling you, just get prepared. Then I sent it to Jess. he said I'm, I can't, I can't even drive this is the, this is where we're headed church see see you understand that you understand I'm going to read this in a minute but you understand in Matthew chapter 13 the parable of the soul Jesus gives three conditions of the soul you understand that the soul is you there's nothing wrong with the word of God this morning we don't have to get up here and pray God God would you anoint your word his word his words anointed and it'll be anointed forever not one child tiller ever go away his word. His word don't need no help. The servant, the one needs help. The one delivering the word one need to help. The word needs no help. The word's powerful whether you feel it or not. Come on, when are we going to grow up to that level? Kenneth Hagin used to pray for the sick like this. He said, I believe God's going to heal you not because I've seen people heal. I believe God's going to heal you because his word says he heals. Come on, son. We just got to have faith in the word of God. Come on, you can love him, hate him or whatever. Look at Kenna Copeland. He 80-something years old, still dark-headed, looking like he's about 25, walking around preaching God. Why? It's the power of his word. The Bible says in Hebrews that the world is still turning and was framed by the power of his word. God spoke, let there be light, and pow, there was light. Come on, somebody. And the earth is still turning on its axis at the power of the spoken word. And when that word went out, it is still resounding because the Hubble telescope is the best we can come up with. And they're still seeing galaxies because that word is still gone throughout eternity. This is the power. Come on, somebody. The power of creator Yahweh. And when we try to get you to praise God, when we say praise God, that word praise comes from the root word create. In the beginning, God created. So do you understand it when we start praising God? I'm talking about the power of the saints up in here. Let the Bible that's why the Bible said let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When you and I start praising God, if you need healing in your body, when you start declaring him Jehovah Rapha, you ain't even got to ask him to heal you. You create the healing yourself. Come on, somebody, by the power of your own confession. That's why the woman with the issue of blood said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. She had been praising him in the house. Come on, somebody. So the condition of the soul, the condition of the soul is you and I. So my job is to guard my heart. Proverbs 4 says, out of it are flow the issues of life. The problems that are manifesting in the physical body is a result of what's going on on the inside. Paul said the children of Israel wandered for 40 years. Why? Because they wandered in their hearts. The wandering in their hearts called them to wander on the outside. Whatever is inside will be the external reality. For the kingdom of God doesn't come with men's observation, Luke 17 says. For the kingdom of God is within. So our job as a believer is surrender to the king. And the more I can surrender and yield to the king and his kingdom is the more that I can represent. Because we're called to represent him, you understand. But the Bible says it this word, when it is sown into good soul, into good soul, into good soul, produces some 30, some 60, and 100-fold. We ain't made it to the 100-fold. Church, look at your neighbor and say there's more. I, I'm, I just, I'm already going, people already don't like me, so I might as well just preach how it is. So you take Catherine raised to the First Baptist Church, As soon as she got outside of the walls of that, she realized there's a whole lot more. I was raised in the Pentecostal church. For a long time, we thought we had arrived. Pentecostal is not a denomination; it's a feast. Hello. That's why I'm gonna get off of that right now. I said it. I said it. It's a feast. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. That's why Jesus is, dies at Passover. Come on, somebody. Y'all right with this? I'm just going off the cuff here. No notes, okay? Five days before Passover, the lamb had to be brought into the house, right, to be inspected to see if there'd be any fault in him. That's why Jesus in John 12 says six days he leaves from there because the fifth day he's showing up in Jerusalem as the Passover Lamb. Come on, somebody. Hello. This Hebrews tells us all of this. Remember, I taught you Wednesday night. Hebrews means whatever was sh- Hebrews means Christ is better than. What was foreshadowed is now a complete is now a present-day reality. The Bible says in Hebrews that the priest in the Old Testament stood daily to minister before God, right? But Jesus, when he offered his sacrifice, sat down at the right hand of God. Come on, it was complete. Jesus, when he cried out on the cross, it is finished, friend. It was absolutely finished. He completed the race. Everything that you and I needed for life and godliness was done at the cross. That's why we don't look for some healing to take place. We look back to healing because it happened over 2,000 years ago. If you look to try to get healed, you're never going to get healed. But if you accept what had already taken place, come on, somebody, you can walk in your healing. So Jesus leaves and he shows up in Jerusalem as the Passover lamb. As the priest was standing in the temple Examining the sacrifice that you brought in your house, I find no fault. Pilate stands up and says, I find no fault in this man. He's here to obey the law right down to the T. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, don't think that I come to abolish the law, but I come to fulfill it. So he dies at Passover. Now, let me just go back to this, man. I'm just off the cuff right here. But in Exodus chapter 12, which is where Moses instituted the Passover, they're about to leave out of Egypt, right? God told Abraham that his descendants would be there 400 years. They're actually there 30 years over Come on, somebody. God raises up Moses, a deliverer, who stutters and thinks he can't do it. So he says, take your brother Aaron, go with you. You know what I'm saying? to speak on, on your behalf. And so they're about to leave. God tells them, "Listen to me." God tells them to apply the blood right to the doorpost and to the lintels above it. Right? God said, "Put the blood right there." But that and see, this is what we. This is what the church. We want to. We want to preach the blood. But that is not all that they were commanded to do. They were to take a lamb. Come on, y'all. Y'all going to help me right here for another 20 minutes, we're going to get out here, and you go eat your Sunday chicken. We can say we knocked out another one right here. You with me now? But I'm believing God's really going to try to grow us here. So so they were to take a lamb, remember? If the lamb was too big for you and your small family, you was to go share it. But God said, take the lamb and roast it by fire. Don't burn it. Roast it by fire and eat the whole lamb. The guts. I in the Bible? Exodus chapter 12. Miss Mayor, Mayor, help me out right here. He said, eat the whole lamb. But what we've done in church is we want to eat pieces of the lamb that we agree with. We won't eat the hind quarter because we agree with that part. You know, speaking in tongues done away with a long time ago. I listen. If See, if all you got is head knowledge, this is why the word of the kingdom. Let's go back to the parable of the sower. When the word of the kingdom sown, the Bible says that the wicked one, the foul, the wicked one comes and snatches it away. Where? Where was it sown? In the heart. He snatches it away, but he don't fly very far with it. He just leaves it right here. He pulls it from your heart, leaves it in your head. Oh, we know that. You know it, but you don't have revelation of. It. The only thing you have revelation of is what you've applied to your life and you're working it. You know about tithing, but you ain't got no revelation and walking in no blessing until you write the check. Hello. You can know about you can know about the Holy Ghost and the fullness of the Spirit in your head, but unless you got an experience, any experience, you know about it. You don't have no revelation. And see, folk that know about God, they can be deceived. But the people who know God. There's a whole lot of difference in knowing God and knowing about God. See, some of you in here know about me, but you don't know me. But there's a few that know me inside my own house. Stanton knows I got a green, unnormal shirt that I'm going to wear by every day. He knows I got a dog named Bo. Why? Because he's in my house. So many people in the church know about God. We're trying to preach revival and talking about seeing people healed. The Bible don't say the Bible don't say them that know about God shall do great exploits. It says them that know their God shall do great exploits. That word know means intimacy. Y'all know about Catherine but I know her. I know her. And she knows me. This is the whole deal with God. You can't just know about God. You got to know him and you can't know him by coming and occupying a pew on Sunday and that's the only thing you and that's the only thing you're getting you got to know him how do you know him you develop a relationship with him it is not Sunday and Wednesday but it is Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday and Sunday we got to learn how to eat the whole lamb and what happens is if you come out of the box see I'm not here I, I, I've, I've preached in about everything there is to preach in and I, I told Catherine I remember I thought I was going to get to preach in an LDS church Latter Day Saints they started loving on me and I was going to get to preach in there until they come in got one of my CDs then the guy cut me off and said no you ain't preaching down here but listen I don't think the denominations are bad but let me tell you what denominations are and listen, I ain't just talking about you be Baptist, four Square, Nazarene, Tangerine, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of folk that call themselves independent, they ain't nothing but a denomination themselves. You can only become what you see or have knowledge of. You can't change unless you see it or have knowledge of it. So a lot of the church, listen to me, most of the church is at 30-fold. I've just got time to use this one scenario. If you look at Moses, when Moses in Exodus 25, Moses in Exodus 25 was called to, to build a tabernacle. Where did, he get, where did he get the instructions to build the tabernacle when he was 40 days up the mountain? He peered into the heavenly realm and saw the heavenly tabernacle, and he built on earth what he saw in heaven, which is what Jesus told us to do. In his, what, what the church says, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 is not the Lord's Prayer. That's when he was teaching on prayer. John 17 is when he actually prayed for us. And he said, say this, our Father. I ain't got time to get on this. Well, he's my, he's my personal Lord and Savior. Is he? Ain't nowhere in the Bible where it says personal. It says our. Let's praise our God. See, that's the reason why you can't grow, because you just by yourself. Oh my God. See, did any of y'all watch the Daytona 5? I did watch the closing of the Daytona 500. But in the Daytona 500 in NASCAR, you got teammates. You might not have a car that is running just as fast as your teammate. But here's the deal. If you can get and close in on the bumper of your teammate, this is how they he- help each other win. It's called drafting that car. Then you're not using your power. You're actually using the power of the one drafting you. Come on, somebody. So at the last closing of the minutes, you can come out to the side, and the one you drafted, you will actually slingshot past him. Even though it wasn't your power, it was his power the whole time. This is how you grow. You get somebody who is a little bit further down the road than you, and you quit trying to be some personal somebody and get in a community of believers. Come on, somebody. A family that challenges growth. Some 30, some 60-fold. 30-fold in this tabernacle Moses was to create. He created an outer tabernacle. He he created an outer sanctuary, an inner sanctuary, and then the holiest of all. The biggest portion of that tabernacle was the outer court. That's where the sacrifice happened. That's where the brazen altar was. That's where the killing was going on. Come on, somebody. Blood was hanging out there. There was a lot of people out there. That's the 34. Most people make it to salvation. Y'all helping me out here. If you're in certain denominations, that's all they preach every Sunday morning. In multiple ways, they're going to tell you a story how to get saved. You got to do something beyond getting saved. Boy, people looking at me. If all you did was get saved, then you're still an infant. You have a pacifier in your mouth, and the only thing you can handle is milk. That's why when you come up here and hear this fat, bald-headed man, you leave you leave scratching your head mad. said say, why's he got to do that? Why is he talking like that? Well, Paul said there's many things that I, de- Jesus said this, there's many things I desire to teach you, but you ain't at the place to hear them right now. You're still infants. we still in the training ground. You ain't at the place you can hear them. Paul told the Corinthian church, that look at the, Look at how bad the Corinthian church was. I mean, they had all the gifts flowing. Come on, somebody! They was such a charismatic church that Paul said, my God, let only two prophesy. Let two or three speak in tongues. Somebody interpret it. I mean, y'all got it going on up in here. But Paul, when he showed up to them, he said, are you not carnal? When some say I'm for Paul, some say I apologize. I got to talk to you like mere men. When we come to church, listen, your identity ain't no mere man. You're a spirit being. See, what we think is, is my identity is John and I happen to have a spiritual life. No, here's the deal. My spirit actually just happens to have a body that it moves in. That's where the identity comes from. It's not John that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Actually, the Holy Ghost just has a body called John that he walks in. And when you move in that, come on, somebody, this is growing up. This is growing up. Knowing that the kingdom lives inside of me. Knowing the same power that's available here on Sunday morning is the same power that's available on aisle three getting coffee at Walmart. Come on. Knowing that you ain't got to be a preacher to walk in what I'm talking about. I'm talking about saints. I ain't even talking about preachers yet. So we got to get the whole lamb. Well, in the outer tabernacle, this is salvation. Well, we saved. We saved. That's good enough. Absolutely it's good enough. I'm not debating on whether or not you're going to heaven. You will go to heaven. But, but here's the deal. Our goal is not to go to heaven. And I ain't even going to get on that. To just Because we will have folks running out here in a minute you start messing about heaven. The pearly gates, the streets of gold. I ain't even going to get in all that. But a simple reading of Hebrews chapter 12, you would realize that you're already in heaven. People get mad. The church has spent decades and thousands upon thousands of dollars realizing when are we going to leave the earth? And we base that whole theology out of two scriptures found where Paul is addressing the church in Thessalonica. Without the sound of the trumpet, we shall be gone in a twinkling of an eye. In John 17, if Jesus would have wanted out of his head said, Father, I pray. I pray before you right now. God, you love me, and I know that you love them. I pray that you take them out of this world. God, you know it's going to get so bad that, Lord, I don't even know if I could even make it stay in here much longer. Just take them out. Jesus said, Father, I pray. As you have loved me, I have loved them. Father, take them not out of the world. So what happens, listen to me. What's happened and what has held us back from fully possessing the kingdom to seeing cancer healed, to seeing city transformation, I'm not just talking about discipling church. That's what we've reduced that scripture down to because we we didn't have the faith to believe what it said. The scripture says disciple nations. That means that the believer is supposed to be discipling nations, not inside your church. Is it okay to quote the Bible in here? Matthew 28, if you need a reference to that. So we got to learn how to eat the whole lamb. So if I was raised in the Baptist church, let's just go on and say it. I was taught that, I was taught sensationist is a major teaching in the Baptist church. Well, sensationist believes that the gifts, and especially the gifts of apostles and prophets, were done away with when the canon scripture was complete. Where did that come from? One of the reasons why we, the one of the reasons why we've embraced that teaching is because in the 95 Thesis, come on somebody, that Martin Luther nailed on the church in Wittenberg, Germany, in 1517, he placed in that because of his disdained a uh, likeness of what the Pope was doing. Come on now, because they were selling indulgences, saying if you buy these indulgences, that you won't spend this much time in purgatory. I ain't got time to go through all this, but listen. so what the Catholics, what they believed is that the Pope was the successor of Peter, the apostle. Because Jesus said in Matthew 16, upon this rock I'll build my church. He sure wasn't talking about he's going to build it on Peter. It was on the revelation of him being the Christ. is what he's going to build the church, the Lordship. And then they believed that the Pope was infallible. And Martin Luther had the revelation. He wasn't the only one. He was not the, he was not the forerunner of that. Huff and Whitecliffe, if you read about these men, they would preach till they would regurgitate blood. This is how deep they were preaching. They would spit up blood when they got through preaching. Burned into the stake, and burned at the stake wasn't no, being burned at the stake wasn't no, just where you was nailed to a piece of wood and they lit the wood on fire. It was actually this circular thing that was real wide, looked like a cone. It started real wide and then slendered up and they dropped the whole body in there and it was filled with hay and fodder and all this different type of wood and they lit it on fire burn from the feet up. But listen, of what I'm just trying to show you is this. I, I mean, I can sit and talk at five o'clock, so we got to find somewhere to end this. But what I'm trying to tell you is these men, these men could not, at this time during the dark ages, there was one man who had the Bible, the priest. One man had the Bible, and he taught in Latin. So you was was held at his expense to what he said that the Bible said. Martin Luther said, it's not by works that we're saved. It's by grace alone that we're saved. let any man should boast. And in that thesis, he wrote that the apostles and prophets, they were here on the earth until the canon of Scripture was complete. When the canon of Scripture was complete, they ceased to exist. Now, the Scripture we were going to read this morning in Ephesians 4, read it for yourself for homework. But we know that 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 can't be true because Paul says that these gifts shall remain until the church comes into the oneness of the faith and to the perfect statue of the man Christ Jesus. So when Jesus said foxes have holes and birds have no nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to play, nowhere to lay his head, that ain't got nothing to do with where he's got to spend the night. Church, oh, he he was so broke he couldn't even spend the night. Baby, he had a he had an upper room big enough to hold all of his disciples to eat a kosher meal. He wasn't struggling with money. He wore fine linen garment. In our day, that was Versace he had on walking the earth. Let me mess with you, a little. He had so much money flowing through his account that he didn't even notice that Judas was dipping into it. But what happened when Martin Luther starts running with this man? God raised up another man by the name of Johannes Gutenberg who said, now that we don't have to handwrite the Bible, we're going to invent a printing press. Come on, in the 1400s before. And technology was running in the natural with the spiritual. Come on, somebody. This is why what what, what did they throw out to catch the great number of fish? 153 fish. They threw a net out. That's why the internet came into being. Come on, somebody. That's the net that's fixing to cast the world into. Come on. Now we were limited, we were limited on the outbreak of revival. We had to wait until somebody from CNN and NBC come and showed it. Now we put it out on the World Wide Web. Facebook, we preaching to millions right here in Sparks right here this morning. Come on now. The 30-fold is in the outer tabernacle. This is people that only wants to eat the rack of lamb. Just hang out in the outer court. There's a whole nother level in the inner court. In the inner court, the table of showbreads up in there. The incense is swinging up in there. Come on, somebody. This is where we learn how to worship and we learn how to praise God. My God, if you ever get a revelation of worship and praise, you won't need somebody to call you to give you 65 words of encouragement, baby. Come on, somebody. Some of you need to go home because cut CMT off in your house and you'll get rid of depression right now. Get you some Rick Pino on up in there and learn how to praise God. Let's do it like this. 30, Passover. This is where they ate the lamb. This is salvation. 64, Pentecost. Brother, you mean we got to speak in tongues? No, you don't have to do nothing. You can ride around in a doodle bug. But what I am trying to tell you is there is a Mercedes available for you to drive. Now, you can put around in the Datsun and still be the same glory you are. But we're going to see two different things on the earth. You're going to hold on to your pew, biting your fingernails, waiting on it to happen. Come on, somebody. The others is going to walk around realizing hell's afraid of them. Come on, somebody. Oh, my God when Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church he wasn't talking about that we got a defense to hold the devil at bay what he was saying is he's got an offense that the devil can't come up with a defense to stop it so now the 60 fold is we, we now got a revelation of worship which is where most of the churches camped out at 60 fold the 100 fold was one more place And that was the holy place of all. The priest entered into this place one time a year. One time a year. And it was a tight fit. Only one man could fit in this place, in the holy place, which was the high priest. The veil was so thick that it would take teams of men to pull the veil back. It would take teams of men horses to pull this veil back come on now and it was pulled back once a year when the priest was about to enter but I want to tell you how I believed that that veil Perry Stone wrote a book years ago called The Breath of the Holies and it was as he would enter into the holy place swinging the altar of incense swinging the smoke wearing nothing but a linen ephod linen Lightweight garment on him because God wasn't about to have his man to sweat in his presence. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says God. He wasn't about to have human sweat what he was about to do. Come on, somebody. So he was swing that altar, knowing that if he did anything ungodly in that sight, he would die in an instant. Tradition tells us that they would literally keep him up 24 to 48 hours before he walked walk in there lest he defile himself in his sleep. This is a holy thing he's about to enter into. And he goes into this place and as God begins to descend in the holy place to commune with man. The ark was in there. Are you with me now? We, we, we I look at your neighbor and say he's on his I'm at my first point. I only got two points this morning okay? Close. We're getting close to the airport. If you ever fly into Atlanta, that means you circle the airport about five or six times before you get to land. So we're going into Hartsfield this morning, okay? There ain't going to be a quick landing, but we're coming close. As, he, as God would begin, in, in, inside the holy place, the most holy place, was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box that God instructed Moses to build, and it was overlaid with gold. The wood represents the humanity of Jesus, and the gold represented the deity of Jesus. He was both man and God. He was so much man that he would fall asleep on a boat, but he was so much God that he walked on water. This man and God, come on, somebody. God became the son of man so that you could become the son of God. And, and so this, this, this box had the mercy seat on top of it, which the mercy seat held the blood. This is where the blood was applied, on top of the mercy seat. And there were two cherubim. And the eyes was not on each other but on the blood. When are we going to get a church that gets our eyes off of each other but on the blood of Christ? Come on, somebody. When are we going to get a church that don't look at each other's faults and failures but on the blood? Come on. Their wings were touching as a sign of unity. That This is in the holy place. And only one man is allowed in this place, and that is the priest. This is why Paul, who made it to the hundredfold, Paul made it clean past Pentecost to the man, whether in the body or out of the body. I do not know, but I know a man whom 14 years ago who was called up into the third heaven. I was shown the kingdom. Firsthand revelation of the kingdom of God. Another 30, 60, and 100 fold is when Jesus said to the multitude, I talked to them in parables. But to you, the disciples, I spoke to the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. But yet there was another level, and that was Peter, James, and John in in Matthew 17 that was taken up on the Mount of Transfiguration and shown the kingdom. We got to learn how to eat the whole lamb, church. The whole lamb ain't a Baptist lamb. It ain't a Methodist lamb. It ain't a Church of God lamb. It ain't a Nazarene lamb. It ain't a Tangerine lamb. It ain't no independent. It ain't no apostolic. It's the Lamb of it's the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. And I'm just trying to tell you why you're preaching this, because God's going to do some things in these latter days that you're going to have to go home and scratch your head and say, I don't know about God or not. I called him Friday, and this is what I told you. I told them through my own private study. John Wimber is the father of the Vineyard movement. How many know we we done right here? I'm closing, okay? John Wimber, the father of the Vineyard movement. John Wimber, when he was prophesied of by Paul Kane, who just recently died a couple weeks ago, Paul Cain said that I will meet you, and when I fly in, he said, when I give you the word of the Lord that I got, he said, an earthquake will happen, and its epicenter will be right under Fuller Seminary. John Wimber said, who in the world did joke right here? He said, well, he come give me the word of God that an earthquake gonna happen. In California, going hit right in the epithing thing of it was going to be measured right under Fuller Seminary, where John Wimber taught. Paul Kane gave him the word of the Vineyard Movement and said what God was going to do through the Vineyard Movement. Earthquake happened, and they measured it, and the epithing of it was right under Fuller Seminary, just as he said. It was Paul Kane who was on I ninety five leaving the state of Georgia, going into Florida, when he saw Stadium Christianity, what Lou Eng was doing today. He saw literal stadiums filled with the glory of God. I'm telling you, the Mercedes Benz was not, was not built so the Falcons could go play football. They're only holding it right now for us. Church, you better believe I feel God up in this house. I said they're only holding it for us. Because there's a church waking up. Come on, somebody. There's a church waking they people, waking up in their personal prayer room, saying, listen here, preacher, I'm tired of eating your re- regurgitated throw-up that you've got off the Internet. I'm going to find me somebody that's been up the mountain. Hello! Hello! So God shows up in 1994 at, at, at Two Leaders Church by the name of John and Carol Arnett at Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. And God starts moving in ways we ain't seen Him move. People laughing, people start laughing, and people are dancing, and laughing. And the church said, "That can't be God, because if it was God showing up, He'd be crying and wailing." God ain't never gonna allow you to put Him in no box. Just as soon as you think you got Him figured out, He finna change on you. We'll have a service on Sunday morning where we all weep and laying at the altar. Sunday night, we're going to be hanging from the chandelier, swinging in the joy of God. You ain't going to figure him out like that. Come on. If you got God figured out, then you serving your God. But if you say, 21 years, I tried at least, used to read three books a week. I ain't made it to that level again yet, but I, I got a good bit going on. But the closer I get to him, I told Catherine two weeks ago when I went home out to hear this guy preach, I said, I know nothing about God, nor do I know nothing about the kingdom of God. I said, I know nothing about the Bible. But I said, I will try to study to show myself approved. These people eat more of the lamb than what you are. So John Wimber has to have this meeting with John and Carol Arnett. And he said, what's going on up there in Toronto is upsetting the vineyard. It's, I mean, we concerned. We don't, we don't know if this is God or not. This is John Wimber that wore the flowery Hawaiian shirt. That had the worship leader to fall out, and he was laying back against the wall and his guitar never stopped playing. The angel of God was playing it. So that blows the church in mind. I don't even know if that can happen. It probably won't never happen to you like that then. If you ain't seeking, you ain't finding. Wonder why, ain't no, wonder why there ain't no nuggets coming by? Because you ain't seeking. You ain't knocking. So so John Wimber says, um, if you want to hold these meetings, we're going to ask you to not do it as a vineyard movement. So he leaves. The next man in line to leave was a man by the name of Chehan, Pasadena, California who was Lou Engle's pastor. John called him and said, Che, you you finna get kicked out. No. And so what I did, on the phone, I called Bats, who was in the middle of the gulf fishing. May God have mercy. And I said, let me tell you what. I said, I have cried for three years. But I said, I thank God that my brethren throwed me out. Because see, Joseph had a 30-fold coat which came from his daddy of multicolors. But then he got another coat from Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife stripped that jacket off of him and lied about him. See, some of you wonder why you gotta go, wonder why they got mad at you at your church and booted you out. That's cause you wasn't destined to walk in no thirtyfold. <laughs> when Catherine was taken by two friends outside the Baptist church to a crazy church where they were worshiping God, speaking in other tongues that didn't agree with when they booted her out, cause she was never destined to have no thirty-fold jacket. When the, when, the, when the leader looked at me over there when I was passing an almond, he said, John, you just too far out there. you just too far out there. You know what I know now? I was never destined to wear his 64 little jacket. God had something better. He had a hundred fold. God was say, son, don't get discouraged. Come on up the mountain. Because Pentecostals think they rocking and rolling because they're wearing a 64 coat. There's a whole other level. Joseph Joseph crying, Potiphar's wife done lied on him, stripped his jacket, threw him in a prison. But can I tell you, if you're destined to wear the 60-fold, you'll turn a prison into a palace. Come on, somebody. He was never destined to have that, only for a season, because his destiny was to wear the 100-fold jacket that Pharaoh had destined for him so that he could rule an entire nation. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, Sister Katie, I got great faith today that what we saw in William Branham, what we saw in A.A. Allen, and what we saw in Billy Graham is going to come on an entire group of people. Come on, somebody. That the church is realizing, hey, I've been on the hind end of the lamb too long. I've been eating at the feet a little bit too long, but I realize I got to get the whole lamb in me if I ever want to see a hundredfold return in my life. Why I get so frustrated. Turn back to Ephesians 4 preach this message. No, I'm playing with you. Showing <laughs> so like, my God, he didn't preach two hours. Listen to me. The reason why we can't see the kingdom displayed in our church is because we don't give him room enough to, to do it. You can't, you're can't. never going to put him on no time clock. What does it matter if we worship an hour and a half trying to warm up? We're trying to get in the presence, aren't we? Come on, somebody. We've got to learn how to linger in the, in, in the presence of God. You're not going I'm telling you, you ain't going to, set your face like Flint and go pray 30 minutes. You ain't getting it. Get mad if you want to. It usually takes me about an hour and a half to get quiet. Because I'm reminding him of everything he's not doing that I've already asked about. Take about an hour and a half to get quiet. Oh God, I'm telling you Church. We're getting strength in the legs. La Habakkuk says, strengthen my feet like the hinds feet of a deer. Whew, we're about to tread some ground. I'm telling you right now, secretary it's backed up into the gate, but this time she's not going to linger at the back. She's fit to come out like a lion roaring, son, all across this nation. We're about to challenge the pharaohs and the naysayers of this world. Hello. I'm telling you, we're about, to, we're about to get on CNN and talk about the kingdom of God and blow Don Lehman clean off the world. We're about to get on with Tucker Carlson and, and show him there's a degree above Harvard. Come on, somebody. There's a school above above Yale. It is the wisdom of Yahweh God. Hello. Cancer's going to be eradicated off the earth. Come on, somebody. A church is going to be unified. We're not going to be some black, white, Democrat, Republican. We're going to be the one new man in Christ Jesus from a whole other race. This is where we're going. This is where we're going. This is the only reason why I still got my Bible in a mic in my hand. But if I had to look at this product this morning, and I love you, But if I had to look at this and this is the final product, I'd say, God, take me home today. But we are moving and we are gaining ground. We are about to challenge some stuff. We are about to disciple nations. We are going to see Islam bow to the feet of Jesus. Come on, somebody. How do you know that? How did Joseph end up? Joseph is a picture of Jesus. His father loved him more than any of his brothers. Gave him a coat, and he was sold as a slave. He was thrown and buried in a pit, but he came back out on top to rule a nation. And so will this king. Just is it like this? How does it start? Everybody knows this. That's why you cannot go to the movie and walk in 15 minutes late. Why? Because every good storyteller knows that the ending is foreshadowed in the very beginning they tell you the end of the story as foreshadowing at the beginning. Come on. So how did God foreshadow it in the beginning? He put a man in a garden in his own likeness, in his own image. And he will end with a man in his likeness and in his image. And he will have a body of believers on the earth that is in full stature. Because the head can't fit on the infant. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The head can't fit on the infant, but the head can fit on a fully grown man. And this is us, the church, the bride of Christ, if you can receive it. The head's going to fall right on this body. And we're going to be that army that Joel talks about, who knows how to march in cadence. How to march in cadence. there has never been none like them nor will there ever be any after them come on somebody this is the final bride it's going to take my entire lifetime to build it but I'm telling you this morning we are building it instead of waiting on the heavenly helicopter the rapture to happen do you believe in the rapture? I absolutely do I just don't believe it the way you believe it probably because the rapture was never foreshadowed in the Bible like that come on how was the rapture foreshadowed? Enoch was a man who walked with God. And he was walking with God one day took God just simply ate his flesh up and he disappeared. Come on, somebody. There was a man named Elijah who was about to hand the mantle off to a spiritual son named Elijah that was not caught up in a chariot of fire. The chariot of fire came to separate them. Elijah didn't leave in no chariot of fire. The chariot of fire came to separate them because he told Elijah, unless you keep your eyes upon me, you shall not have it. Most of the church, we get our eyes on the signs and wonders instead of keeping them on Jesus. Come on, somebody. But the chariot of fire came to separate them two, and the Bible says a war, a whirlwind took Elijah up into heaven. He ain't going to be down here because we in debt. <laughs> we in debt getting, I mean, getting hell beat out of us. And then the Lord's gonna say, Lord, oh John's been beat up long enough. God, go down again. No, that ain't how it's happening, friend. It's happening because the church has done fell in love. Right now we got too many lovers. Our eyes are not single, that's why the body's not full of light. Oh Lord, stand up with me. We better quit. We just gotta quit. I never even got to the text today, but I sure had fun. How many feel good in your soul? Please, nobody send me the comments. (laughs) They'll be at the bottom. I I was preaching one Sunday. A lady comes and said, have you ever read Matthew chapter 24? The Bible says there will be rumors of wars and all this. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, you ever read Isaiah chapter 2 where it says, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established. Listen to me. What you got to learn how to do is feed from a trough. I'm gonna finish with this right here. Look at me. I refuse. I refuse to embrace an eschatology. Eschatology is the study of end times. I refuse to embrace an eschatology that leaves me hopeless. My family's not waiting on the rapture. We're preparing the way for the king. Because he said, occupy till I come. That word occupy is a military term. We occupying. We raising the flag up. We want a flag raised up at the middle school. When Asher was, he was, I think he was in in kindergarten. I think he was in kindergarten. He's at the school or whatever. And he told his teacher told him he couldn't do that or something. And as she said, he said, yes, he said, I can. He said, I can. And she said, no, she said, your daddy wouldn't like that. He said, my daddy wants me to own this school. (laughs) Hello? Huh? I let him out of the truck and say, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. Freely you receive, freely give. If you encounter a demon, cast him out. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you that there is a kingdom expression coming like we have never seen on the face of the earth. We are a people today that stand in this place in great hope. We stand today with great hope. We're not discouraged. We are encouraged. We are encouraged by what we see and what we hear. We are encouraged by what we see and hear. We know that the same God that is in Redding, California is here in Sparks, Georgia. We know that the same God that resides in Orlando resides here. We know the same God that's in Pasadena, California is the same God here. We know the same God that resides in Kansas City, Missouri resides right here. And not only is he residing here, he is in us. And the kingdom of God is in us. And God, you are for us. And you want to grow us and we say this morning, we yield to you, Holy Ghost. Grow us. Mature us. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't easy. Let me tell you this. I did not get this body easily. It took me years. A lot of pain. A lot of money. A lot of longhorn trips. A lot of trips to Barney to the peach shed. But I eventually got it. Growth is not easy. It's going to take you some time. Now look at me right here. If you measure growth, if you measure growth every week, you'll get discouraged and quit. You only measure growth twice twice a year. Some of you discouraged because you said, man, I I mean, when, when am I going to get further along? Don't get discouraged, just keep at it. I hear people say all the time, well, John, I can't remember like you. I just, I don't have the ability to retain information like you do. This is how I answer that. I don't know what in the world I ate last Tuesday at lunch, but I know that it sustained me to get me to here today. Don't worry about retaining it. If you put it in, it will come out. Psalms 81.10 says, open thy mouth and I'll fill it. But you can't open your mouth and it come out if you ain't got it in there. You just got to eat the lamb. Look at your neighbor and say, eat the lamb. We taught in the Pentecostal church. We taught uh, in the Pentecostal church, Isaiah 10, 27 says, that the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And we thought we was going to ring them down here and just lay hands on them. Boom, shaba shaba, Crank of Suzuki. And they were just going to be instantly set free. That's not what that means. That is a picture of you bringing a steer into a stall. You ever killed a cow? You don't walk out and shoot him on the pasture. You bring him into the stall. Feed him with sweet grain. Come on, somebody. Pour the sweet feed to it, putting the fat on it. This is the same picture of Isaiah 10:27. It's you eating, consuming the lamb. And whatever has you bound that is latched it around your neck, because of the consumption of the lamb, the neck will get fat and break that yoke clean off. You ain't got to have me to lay my hands on you and stand to lay his hands on you to get some miracle from God. All you got to do is lock yourself away at a stall and eat the lamb. Ain't that encouraging? I am where I'm at today. I've had some great teachers in my life, but it's from being locked away and eating the lamb. I don't. I mean, I'm not gonna sit there and watch TV. I'm gonna read. Well, I don't have no passion to read. Well, stay ignorant. Let's quit making excuses, church. Read. Don't beat them up. Now nah, I don't beat them up too bad. No, nah, I'm playing.
0: Before I came today, this is what I heard on the way. Some of us just got done with the Little Way Challenge from what Allison brought to us from Revelation Wellness. And so on the way this morning in the car, I heard... um Little by little, little by little, the little way. And I heard Damon Thompson's voice. He preached this a long time ago. The continual application of the elementary is what produces the growth in our life. And so I'm preaching to you this morning. If you're like me and you're one of those where the rubber meets the road people and you go, I hear you, Pastor. but. I need to see a visual picture of what that looks like this is what it looks like for you tomorrow this is what it looks like for me tomorrow morning get up and if you're hungry to start walking in what he's preached in today begin to in a little way sacrifice a little bit of time for the lord and you will find yourself elisa keaton preached on how energy begets energy energy, if you are slothful and you are tired, it's not just about eating right. It's about getting out and moving. Because as you move, you're going to get more energy. As you work out, you're going to find yourself having a greater flow of energy than you even had to begin with. Energy begets energy. And so what I want to tell you this morning is the little, continual application of the small, the giving way to the one minute of prayer. The giving way of the one minute for prayer at lunch. And again at three o'clock saying, Lord, when I'm having my coffee, I'm going to give you five minutes this time, Lord. And I'm going to present my body as a living sacrifice in this little bit of time I have. And you watch. Time will beget time. And word will cause a hunger in you as you begin to read. And you're saying, but I'm not hungry. Energy begets energy. Hunger causes deeper hunger. Revelation will lead to greater revelation. You can't open a door and find a jewel that he doesn't have another hidden behind it. He never stops being good. He never stops giving his children good things. There is more for us than we can even imagine. And y'all, I'm not talking from this great high mountain. Let me just tell you, I'm in the valley right now. (laughs) So in the valley, the Lord has for his children Yo, Lord, I just pray for us right now, Lord God, an opening of the eyes, Lord God, an ability to see beyond where we're living right now at this very time on the earth, Lord God. Father, I pray for a perception intervention, Father God, that we would begin to perceive in a new way, Father, that we would begin to see beyond our circumstances, Lord God. We would begin to see beyond what we've always known and what we've always been taught, Lord God, and we would see, Father God all that you have laid up for those that you love and have called according to your purpose. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Listen, before we leave, I want you to come back and let's gather around the baptism and let's celebrate with Kaylee as we baptize her today. Amen. So come on, let's celebrate with her.
0: Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.